0: Welcome to episode 21, Business Movies. On this episode, Johnny and Eddie discuss some of their favorite movies that revolve around business. Johnny honors two actors that have passed away recently. Eddie shares a movie that opened his eyes about the founder of a company he and Mrs. Kleeg worked for in the past. We invite you to grab some popcorn and your favorite beverage. Take a seat and put up your feet because we're talking movies.
1: Welcome back. I'm Johnny Popcorn.
0: And I'm Eddie Klieg, and we're talking movies.
1: Eddie, before we get started with the greatest portion of the show, I'm going to talk about uh, two people that have left in the last, uh, well, the first one is in September. Uh, two actress, an actress and an actor. The actress who died on September 3rd at the age of 77, Carol Lindley. Now, she's probably most famous to most moviegoers for her role as the singer, Nani Perry, in the 1972 adventure called The Poseidon Adventure, where she co-starred with Gene Hackman, Red Buttons, Ernest Borgnine, and a whole host of other stars. She did uh, survive that. She was the singer on the ship that capsized, for those of you who don't know the Poseidon Adventure, the ship turned upside down, and the adventure is trying to get back to the to the actually going back up to the hall to get rescued. Anyway, she's one of the survivors. She actually sang the song, which is the morning after, but they cut her voice and dubbed it. And I believe it was Marine McGovern. At least I think she's the one that had the big hit. But anyway, they dubbed her voice, so she never got to sing on screen. She had a long film career. She started at the age of 15. She had most of her career later on in TV, but she hit the screen in a very controversial film in 1959 called Blue Denim with Brandon DeWilda, who most people know as an early child actor. He starred in Shane and some others, but he played her boyfriend, and she was a pregnant teenager. It was a controversial film when that came out. She later played a young lady in a similar circumstance at the age of 21 in Otto Preminger's The Cardinal, where she co-starred with Tom Tryon. I actually like the film. It's a little slow. It deals with some Catholic issues. There's some political issues, and it takes place in the 30s, and there's racism and so on and so forth. But that's Carol Lindley. She died at the age of 77 in Los Angeles. She leaves a daughter, Jill. The other death is... More recent, October 11, at the age of 78, Robert Forster. Now, Robert Forster actually started out, he was an actor, obviously, but he had some early career moves in TV, a couple of series, and then he kind of faded. He kind of like disappeared, couldn't find any work, and then Quentin Tarantino kind of rediscovered him, shall we say, put him in the movie Jackie Brown, and I didn't have the date on that. Anyway, what he said, he said, I went 21 months without a job. I had four kids. I took any job I could get. Near the end, I had no agent, no manager, no lawyer, no nothing. I was taking whatever fell through the cracks. And that's when he got the job in Jackie Brown, which he plays a bail bondsman, and he was nominated for a Best Supporting Actor. He didn't win, but he got nominated. And he played, more recently, he played in TV's Breaking Bad with Brian Cranston. So he, he had kind of a checkered career. We saw him, and Eddie, you know him pretty well from playing a general in a more recent movie, Olympus Has Fallen, one of our Fallen of our series favorite. movies right? With our buddy, uh, the Irish Secret Service agent, <laughs> uh, Gerard Butler. So yeah. that's and
0: he he was in the second one too London has fallen but not as not as proud he was heads with uh, Butler in Olympus has fallen oh. um, and, and, and and just the wayback machine I just took a look Jackie Brown was 1997
1: 1997 yeah because he he also played in Mulholland Drive which came out around the same time which deals with Los Angeles and some police and so on. Uh, it was a movie that I thought was going to do better. I think I'm, I'm off the top of my head. I think Nick Nolte might have even been in that thing, but he also was in a reprise of Twin Peaks on TV, the old series. It was from the 90s. It was really a, a classic, and they re-reprised it in 2017, and he had a role in that. But that's Robert Forrester, dead at the age of 78.
0: One one last thing yeah. on on him. So he was in uh, He was in Breaking Bad, right. the final season, mm-hmm. last handful of episodes. He also has one of his last that he filmed before he passed. It's a Breaking Bad movie. Basically, it's called El, El Camino, and he actually uh-huh. is in that. And it is a sequel of sorts to Breaking Bad. It follows Jesse, one of yeah. the main characters, but he's in that as well. And that uh, looks like was one of his, one of his last films.
1: Well, there's a quote here from uh, Brian Cranston. Uh, I'm saddened today by the news that Robert Forrester has passed away. Again, this was just recently. This is October 11th. A lovely man and a consummate actor. I met him on the movie Alligator, Forty years ago, <laughs> so there's a classic. I even, even I'm trying to remember that one. And then again on BB, which of course is Breaking Bad. I never forgot how kind and generous he was to a young kid just starting out in Hollywood. Rest in peace, Bob. That's from Brian Cranston. So, he was apparently a pretty cool guy to be around, and he'd he'd seen some good times, bad times, and then he had a final uh, boost in his career, which was a good thing.
0: Uh, he. Once worked as a door-to-door vacuum cleaner salesman. Uh, there you go. They okay. used to do that back then, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Back in the day. Oh yeah, the Fuller Brush. In fact, there's an old movie called The Fuller Brush Man with Red Skelton from the '40s, which is a classic. Uh, and you probably don't remember the Fuller Brush Man, but they used to come around and sell all the kitchen brushes. And what year was that? Uh, in the 1940s, with Red Skelton. Oh, was yeah? that movie. I don't remember. Yeah, that you one. don't remember that. one. you'll see it on the Late Show occasion, <laughs> But it's a it's a co- you know it's a pretty good comedy. Anyway. There we go. That's our tribute to a couple of stars that we've lost recently. So the question is, Eddie, where are we going today?
0: Well, Johnny, we're talking business movies. I know the four that I picked are kind of like across the scale. I mean, I've got a businessman, basically. It's one, and there's a comedy one. Mm -hmm. But, uh, oh, there's a lot of them. Oh, Other there's a ones. there's a ton. It's so, uh, like every
1: genre we look at. There's a million of. Them. We could we could go on for hours on any of these. I mean,
0: exactly. So that's what it is. We're talking yeah. business movies.
1: All right. Do you want to lead off? Sure, I can lead off. Yeah, lead off. Yeah. Okay. I talked for a while. You give me a rest here.
0: So my first one. I'm just going to go right to go the. Go right at
1: one.
0: It. I'm going to go 2016. The Founder, mm. directed by John oh, Lee yeah. Hancock, stars Michael Keaton. Nick Offerman. The story of Ray Kroc, Mm -hmm. salesman who turned two brothers' innovative fast food eatery McDonald's into the biggest restaurant business in the world with a combination of ambition, persistence, this was the the bad part, ruthlessness.
1: Uh, Yes. I have
0: uh, experience in my family of managers of a McDonald's. um, Oh, yeah. Both uh, myself and... Mrs. Kleeg, were McDonald's managers at a time uh, once a long, long, many, many moons ago, and you know I always thought it's Ray Kroc started it, but mm-hmm. after watching this movie, not so much. Um, Michael Keaton is excellent in it. Oh, to research the role, he he watched um, what's the Wall Street one with the with Leonardo DiCaprio. He watched Wa- a bunch Wolf of, like, of Wall Street. He and and Wall Street the movie, movie Wall Street we're He watched the on. ones where they're you know kind of ruthless guys yeah. in it. And he does a real good job of being a bad guy.
1: I uh, thought he was terrific. I, I I well we've talked about Michael Keaton maybe not so much on air here but we've talked about Michael Keaton and again he's he's been recognized more recently for some of the films he's done but I think he's he, I like the guy.
0: And he's yeah. terrific
1: in this. You know who didn't like this film, I bet. Mrs. Croc. Well, yeah, or the <laughs> the people who are running that operation. Yeah.
0: I, I believe when I looked in the notes, McDonald's would not uh assist too much with this movie. I think that's true. Actually to the point is here's one of the things. They actually had to build a fake McDonalds on a on a in a parking lot so the crew was able to utilize the McDonald's restaurant without there being any problems. Can you imagine that? There's there's a million McDonald's out there. They had to build one in order to <laughs> to, to do the movie.
1: Well, they, they they weren't exactly putting the proverbial halo over Ray Kroc, which maybe McDonald's would have preferred. because. Right. It's
0: <laughs> yeah, the McDonald's brothers, they had their own thing going. I mean, they were kind of, you know, a guy once told me, you, know, you always stick. To fries and burgers, fries and burgers. Whatever when you know, when you have a any kind of business, you know, you you concentrate on your biggest sellers, and you make sure you own that. So mm-hmm. they owned the burgers and fries, but they were both. One brother was more for it than the other, but they pushed back so much when uh, when Ray, Ray Kroc approached them. Ray was a worked for Prince Castle, which is. Shake equipment, right. milkshake equipment, stuff like that, and he was somewhat of a vacuum salesman. He'd go door to door with a shake machine and try to sell it to restaurants. But when he was sitting out waiting, I believe that's how the scene is. He's sitting out wait, either waiting to meet with them or he just met with them. Lines were so long, and and the food was quick. Uh, he started getting that that idea. So, and one of the, one of the things that's that's funny in the in the movie, not that it's funny, but I think is a neat little thing is, you know, he he didn't have enough money to own all the McDonald's, but he owned the land that the McDonald's was sitting on, and that was his little uh, trick to start building the empire that is McDonald's. Two little tidbits that kind of go together. You'll find this interesting. Tom Hanks turned down the role of Ray Kroc, and then Michael Keaton took the part. For Philadelphia, 1993, mm mm-hmm. Michael Keaton turned down the role of Andrew Beckett, <laughs> and Hanks took the part, eventually winning the Academy Award for Best Actor.
1: And then neat. The oh, I I love I always love how people decide not to take this or that. We've talked about some other incidents. It's it is fascinating. It's sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. I think this was a appropriate casting. I think there's a, I think there's a there's an edge of nastiness to Keaton a little bit. He can yeah. he can move into that realm a little easier than. Hanks, right? I I think. I agree. And I think that's why it works because the larceny, the larcenous part of him that comes out in this character. I mean, he steals a guy's wife and takes a guy. He took Joan Crock away from uh, his wife from that restaurateur in Minneapolis. Right thing. I mean, he was, but he was a visionary. He was a genius, but he was also not so nice. So yeah, more
0: to think about it. I mean, (laughs) Tom Hanks right now. He's been doing it for a little while, but he's specializing in in playing characters. I mean, Sully, he looked just like Sully. Um, um, Walt Disney in um, Saving Mr. Banks Mm -hmm. looked just like Walt Disney. And and now, uh, I haven't seen it yet, but I've seen the previews of Mr. Rogers. Rogers. He looks like Mr. Rogers. So this probably intrigued him. Oh, sure. But then once he read and and he found out, whoa, Ray Kroc is a (laughs) a not-so-good guy. I mean, at least was ruthless, let's just say. So anyways, now let's go into the finances a little. The budget for the founder was 25 million. It grossed 24 million.
1: No, I, I, I had a feeling <laughs> that we saw it I, actually, I saw it on DVD. It, was, it came to the theater. We were interested in going, and it, it's like it was here today and gone tomorrow. That's why I think there was some. uh, There was some. I don't know for a fact, but it would seem to me there was probably some subtle pressure out there. I'm not surprised if McDonald's bought every DVD that was out there. (laughs) (laughs) It could have. Oh well. Anyway, that's a good film. So that's it. The Founder, 2016. It's a very. I thought it was a terrific film. Frankly, Uh, it's. It was well done. It was well done. I say terrific a lot, folks. Uh, When I enjoy something, I do, and I I get enthusiastic. But I thought he was good. I like Michael Keaton, and he's good in this. You're good, though.
0: What do you got for us?
1: Well, I got an oldie but goodie. You know me. I bring up the historical side of things. I'm going back to 1954. A black and white. It does have sound again, Eddie. This film was nominated for many Academy Awards. Won best supporting actor, and there's a couple others that it won, and I'll mention it. This is a classic, uh, what you would call a big business expose type of film. It's based on a book. It deals with a power struggle when the president of a large corporation dies. And there's a guy by the name of Avery Bullard, that's the president. The company is Treadway Corporation, but he leaves no instructions as to who's to be next in line. So the board is having difficulties deciding on this. And the entire film, which basically takes place in the executive boardroom, is the entire machinations about developing support for a pretty bright engineer played by William Holden against the the guy who's really the, what is he? He's the, they call him, refer to him in some of the notes as a corporate shark. It's Frederick March, who's the money man who's had to cut corners to try to keep the company alive, and he thinks he's entitled to it. So there's a, there's a con- conflict. There's some personal development stories. Uh, there's some uh, salesmen's having an affair with the secretary, you know, that classic stuff. But it's well done. It's, as I say, it's bo- basically a boardroom w- drama, but what makes it work, and it's directed by Robert Wise. There's a name we brought up. He did Sound of Music. This movie won an Academy Award for Best Actress for Nina Fo. She actually played, for those of you out there who don't remember, she was the mother of Moses who found him. She was the Egyptian mother of Moses in the Ten Commandments. Uh, But she was a a good actress back in the 40s and 50s. Uh, Robert Wise was recognized for Outstanding Director. But they got an Academy Award for Best Cinematography, Best Art Direction, and... uh, also, best costume design, black and white, because it is a black and white film. A lot of actors in this. I'm not going to list the whole cast, but it's well done and worth a look. And that kind of sets the tone for the kind of movies that follow after this, because there's only a few business movies that were made in the 50s. Gentleman's Agreement, for example. Uh, there's another man in the gray flannel suit. But it isn't until we get to more current that you see a flood of these films. Like you said, there's a lot of them from the 80s on because with the financial situations that have gone on in the last 30 years on Wall Street and so on, I think it's become a more universal topic and people were more interested in business and see it as affecting them more than maybe they did in in the old days, shall I say. So Executive Suite, 1954. Cool.
0: I don't. I don't remember it. Nope. That was bad. For my time.
1: Watch the trailer. It's kind of interesting. I looked at the trailer. It's a pretty long trailer, about three and a half minutes. So uh, I revisited it. I mean, I've seen the film three or four times, uh, you know, on the TCM or whatever.
0: I was, <laughs> I was looking at um, uh, one of the, the last ones I'm going to do. I was, I was is in the '80s, and. Uh, i would say one of my top 10 movies i don't know top 15 movies i guess but i watched the trailer and then i was watching some other trailers in the time and mm-hmm. i'm talking this is 1987 they're so funny just uh, the, oh, yeah. the the way the guy comes over and, in uh, in a world where you know business is blah 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 you know just all go back voiceover, to the... it, it's like they're all of them are the same yeah. It's almost as if they're all exactly the same um, compared to now and, and of course special effects and oh, yeah. cameras and yeah. all that better I mean, now, but it was it was eighty seven was funny. I can't imagine nineteen
1: fifty go back to the fifties and the forties you look at some of those. I mean it's and they're they the way they cut it and then the dramatic sequences and the voice raises of the announcer, you know, the the voiceover now, oh it, <laughs> or you get to one of the the old classic horror movies, you know, the old Vincent Price things. Oh, those are priceless, man. Literally, <laughs> I mean it's, Anyway, what do you got next?
0: Okay, so my next one is going to be The Intern. The Intern 2015. Oh, I, like 15,
1: I like this film.
0: Directed by Nancy Myers, We got uh, Robbie D. in it, Robert De Niro, Anne Hathaway, and Renee Russo. A retired 70-year-old widower, Ben who was played by Robert De Niro, is bored with retired life. He applies to be a senior intern at an online fashion retailer and gets the position. The founder of the company is Jules Austin and Hathaway, a tireless, driven, demanding, dynamic workaholic. Ben is made her intern, and this is a nominal role. She doesn't intend to give him work, and it's just window dressing, basically. However, Ben provides... To be a quite useful, and more than that, a source of support and wisdom to her, business-wise and personal. You know, it's one of those movies where you would be like, Robert De Niro's in this thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it, it was pretty funny. I mean, I,
1: he doesn't yeah, kill anybody, funny. and there's no, no swear words.
0: No swear words. <laughs> I mean, he, he plays this old guy that goes in, and, you know, it's a fashion online business, so he's definitely look, sticks out like a sore thumb, I would say, especially in the beginning. It's really nice, and then he he became her driver for a little bit, and that's how personally they got involved because he would come in and you know she had a lot of stress on her. The board was trying to ta- is trying to take the business away from her, saying that she needs to hire a more experienced mm-hmm. CEO. She doesn't want to do it, and he kind of helped her help her through that and helped with the kids and all that kind of stuff. So I think it was it was a really nice movie. It was fun. Here's one thing. This is very interesting to me, I'm, at, at one of the trivia things. We said this about The Shining. Mm-hmm. Who
1: does The Shining? Uh, well, who directed yeah. or was it? It was Stephen King's book. Stephen it was King. directed by, I'm even trying to think who directed Oh, it was uh, Stanley Kubrick. Well, I'm thinking Stanley about, Kubrick.
0: we've been talking about Stephen King, we talked yep. about The Shining and Jack Nicholson and how, yep. how Stephen King didn't like... Like the movie, because Jack Nicholson kind of made it a little campy?
1: Well, I he guess. made it campy, and he said they, they made it like he was already crazy before he got there. And his whole essence of the book was it's the place that would drive them crazy. He wanted the evil of the place. Right. And it's like they brought the evil with them, and that's not what he meant. And plus, yeah.
0: er, er, at least in my lifetime, the Jack Nicholson of my lifetime, uh, the older one, um, he, he he's a little over the top, you know? Yeah. So... Nancy Meyer, the director of this movie, actually approached Jack Nicholson first. I cannot imagine
1: that movie working. No. I don't see the, how it could have worked. The chemistry with him. I do not see a chemistry with Nicholson and Anne Hathaway. No. This Especially was, on retail. I mean, just the,
0: even just the setting itself.
1: The, the thing is, there is, despite all the nasty roles oh. you've seen De Niro, oh. and I've seen him play, usually he's a bad guy, you know, or edgy guy or a tough guy and all that stuff. He's in Scorsese- uh, and a little twisted in some cases in his early years. But there's a sweetness that comes across with him in this film. A really, you know, just a nice guy, and he's. You get the chemistry. The chemistry works there. Oh, Nicholson, I, I wouldn't have. No. It wouldn't have made no, no. sense. No, I don't think it would be.
0: Originally, Jules, who is played by Anne Hathaway, yep. originally, Reese Witherspoon was cast in that role. That might have worked. Might have, but but not. I, th- I still think uh, Anne did good yeah. job. And then here's just a little tidbit: uh, Robert De Niro has a daughter, Draina De Niro, D R E N A. I think that's it. I have no idea. Don't know she plays kids. the hotel manager in the movie. I just thought that oh. was interesting. I didn't know that he had a daughter in the in the biz.
1: Nepotism. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so uh. the budget on this one, we're looking at thirty-five million. And it grossed 194 million. And I, I see why that happened. Yeah. So. Yeah.
1: I think it, I. I bet there was some word of mouth on this one too. And I didn't even
0: see it in the theater, so I'm yeah. not even counted yeah. it. the 194. No. I, right. I'm in the rental. Right. No, I, yep. I did the same.
1: <laughs> I, I saw it on the the tube, but so, it works. I, I like the film a lot. I've seen it three or four times actually.
0: <laughs> so that's the Intern 2015.
1: Yeah. All right. I'm going to jump ahead here. We're going to come. I'm going to be with you. I'm a little more more current here. Then we're going, to, we're going to go backwards. The Big Short. I probably should have done this in reverse, but I'm going to do The Big Short because everybody's pretty familiar with this. I think the circumstances because anybody who's been old enough to experience what happened from 2008 to the present with all the financial gyrations, The Big Short deals with, and it's based on a book that was written by Michael Lewis, the guy who did Moneyball, and also, as you said, also did The Blind Side. He's been quite successful in film adaptations. This is the story of a Wall Street guru, Michael Burry, who's played by Christian Bale, who realizes that the number of subprime home loans is building a quite a bubble, and there's probably going to be a monstrous default that's going to wreck the economy. But nobody else sees it. Everybody thinks everything's solid. So he bets hedges against the market for over a billion, a billion bucks. And... Uh, his, his actions attract other investors, and one of them is a banker played by Ryan Gosling. Another was a head fund specialist who's played by Steve Carell, who is terrific in this, who really sets out. He's had a brother who's committed suicide, which is a backstory. So he's a little bit on a vendetta to get even with anybody who messes around with the market and does something illegal. So they make a fortune. They do make a fortune, however, by taking advantage of the impending collapse. But it's very interesting how... Corral says, I'm not believing what I'm seeing. The standard and poor reports, everything that statistics. I think the statistics are lying. So he goes out personally with his people to the house. He goes to Florida to talk to people who are paying mortgages. And then he finds out the people they're paying for are defaulting on there. That these people are in the danger of losing their houses. But he, goes, he actually goes to the street to get the real information. And that's what leads him to understand this baby is going to come down. Meanwhile, Christian Bale, who's a little bit, shall we say, eccentric? I think he's autistic. But anyway, he has this, he plays rock music. He beats on drums while he's coming up with all these ideas. And he's fantastic in the role. It's well acted, well directed. It's directed by Adam McKay. The box office on this ended up, I didn't have the, the uh, uh, budget, but they took in $133 million. And a lot of people have seen this, I know, on DVD because I talked to several people who hadn't seen it, and I said, you got to see this film because they're interested in politics and finance. And after they saw it, they said, or several read the book. It's a fantastic story. And it's it's all based on events that people have lived through. So watching this, you're going to grit your teeth if you didn't know enough, and you've, you got hammered in this somehow you're going to say, oh my gosh.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I saw the movie. But wow, statistics.
1: Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. But he did. He didn't trust. He said, something's wrong with this. He said, so they actually he said, we're going to go see this. We're going to go to these housing. All these houses are empty. You know, all these houses and their loans. He said, this This is the real story. That's the, That's what I thought was the fascinating part that he questioned Standard & Poor's because we find out that they were just rubber stamping all this information right that the big boys were operating on. And the little guy had no idea that this was happening. So that's that's the interesting the the real title of the book is The Big Short Inside the Doomsday Machine. <laughs> which tells you a little bit yeah. about the viewpoint of the film and the book. Anyway, we had
0: go. we had friends who had bought um, a house with, um, you know, they didn't have the credit, they didn't have the down payment, and all of a sudden they got yep. this nice house. And it was on a um, a variable inter- interest yep. rate. Is variable that the right Variable interest rate, yep. Yeah. Which goes sky and high. They, after they turned a period around. Of time. One month the bill came, it was four times the amount that their normal house payment was. Yep. I mean, wow. Yep. Yep. Anyways, that, that was. That was Terrible times. Are. Well, I'm going to 2013, and the movie is Jobs. This movie is based on Steve Jobs. Oh,
1: it's not about workers. It's about... No, no, oh, no, okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I there, got it.
0: There were two movies made by Jobs, or yep. made about Steve Jobs. This one is the one that has Ashton Kutcher as Steve Jobs, uh, which actually, he uh, looked just like him. I him? thought...
1: I thought... What's it, who played the other one? I, I, the I other saw one bu- was
0: played by Oh, Michael... Oh, jeez. He plays Magneto in... Um, oh,
1: Michael Fassbender. Fassbender. Yeah. That's I thought... I liked Kut- Kutcher. Kutcher's better. Kutcher. I did because he did look like him. Yeah. Now, Fassbender is a terrific... Uh, but I thought they... The story got tweaked. I thought Kutcher's story was more biographical, Yeah, I guess. B-
0: exactly. And w- the funny thing is, is the the other one, and I can't remember who the producer, director yeah. was. It's a big-time guy. Yeah. And he was waiting a while to do it. Um, it basically just took three snapshots, like the day he announced, the day leading up to the announcing the iPod, mm-hmm. iPhone, or something, something like that, right. where this is more like, yeah, like you said, is more... Historical more background. I mean, I don't know
1: how historical
0: accurate it is. I I believe it is, the different parts of it. There are some things that are a little loose. Stars Ashton Kutcher, Hmm. Dermot Moroni.
1: Yeah, I like him. He's good, He
0: plays Mike Marcula. Josh Gad, who is a funny comedian. He is the voice of um, the little snowman in Frozen. I can't remember what the He's hilarious. Uh, he plays Steve Wozniak. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Basically, the film follows the story of Jobs ascending from college dropout into one of the most revered creative entrepreneurs of the 20th century. So it takes him from Reed College in 1974, that he ended up dropping out of right. for financial reasons. Uh, even though he dropped out, he was able to take a couple courses. The headmaster allowed him to. Attend a couple, con- so uh, he ended up being a dropout. But he did get to some courses. After that, he spent time in India, which yep. he was led to India by his use of LSD. <laughs> while he was on LSD, he had this thing, oh India! So they expand your mind, right? <laughs> so when he returned, while working at Atari, Steve developed a partnership with Steve Wozniak. Uh, after Woz builds the Apple One. Jobs asks his dad to let him use the garage for a new company, and the rest is basically history. History, right. Uh, now, Marcula, who played by, like I said, Dermot Mar- Mulroney, he was an angel investor. First to recognize the full potential of the Apple II, which is the, the main, the beginning computer. The Apple I was made, was a little... Right. But it was, at that time, it was like, wow. And then Apple II was made for production, I guess you'd say. He wrote Apple's original business and marketing plan. He made the original $250,000 investment to launch Apple as a company and leverage his personal experience relationships to help build Apple into the the Fortune 500 company that it is. He, He was on the board from the beginning. And when Jobs was fired from Apple and then when it was going downhill, He played an integral part getting jobs to come back. Right.
1: And then the rest is history. Yeah, well, it's very interesting because, as you well know, I was living in California at the time. I remember Atari. I remember Commodore computers, which are no longer around. And when this all started and when Apple came about and people were wondering what the heck is an Apple, as Forrest Gump said, I invested in that fruit company. Uh, (laughs) or at least (laughs) but you know yeah it's really really interesting times and it's an amazing story starting out in the garage and with woes and uh, jobs I thought Kuchar though did a great job I've seen only a couple of movies he's been in and the one The Guardian with that other guy that we never talk about (laughs) oh my god you gotta be kidding me (laughs) I know he comes up jeez there he is again (laughs) Kevin Costner Kevin Costner not again but if you haven't seen The Guardian he is very good in that one. I, that's the one that opened my eyes. And so when he did the Jobs movie, I, I was open to his interpretation to see if he'd do it. I thought he did okay. So anyway, well, he has he has a knack yep. for being the the, the doofus
0: kind of comedy guy cause from yeah his I early miss. stuff yeah, and, yeah that you know, TV show which dude I do not watch but dude yeah. where's my car or yeah. whatever but yeah he he did a really good job at this yeah. but and you know the movie st- showed some you know showed the bad side of yeah. Of Steve, also I mean, he oh, had a yeah. a child that uh, in the beginning he didn't say was his, and that caused a lot um, of problems and stuff. But and then the whole breakup between him and and Wozniak, uh, yep. that was terrible. But you know, it shows the history and heck, uh, you know, the iPod revolutionized.
1: Yeah, well, geniuses I mean. geniuses always have interesting side stories because they're on a different plane. And I think the key to Jobs was creating something that people didn't even know they wanted or needed. They really wanted, but right. they actually needed. He understood that, which is an amazing thing to do. And then be able to create that thing that they keep lining up every time there's another one. Right. And, and all these companies
0: are trying to emulate emulate
1: yeah, it. it. It's hard to do. It's, it's it, you crazy. know, you can't recreate certain things. So I, I only
0: have one trivia on this one. In the movie, while they're at Jobs' parents' house, mm-hmm. the garage they filmed at was the actual house and the actual garage that Steve Jobs very, grew up in in the 70s. Very cool. That was pretty I cool. love that.
1: I love that when they can do that.
0: So on the financial side, budget was $12 million, grossed $36 million. Right? I guess yeah. it was tripled, right? Yeah,
1: yeah, but it wasn't a big, you know. I don't, I don't know why people didn't run to see that. I don't know. I Guess they knew they knew the story. I figured they knew it. I don't know. They had I, no interest. I,
0: I'll, I'll tell you something. I'm a huge Apple guy. I know that. I didn't see this in the theater. So, yeah. a lot. I did. Didn't.
1: I did go to the theater and see it, and uh, I was, I was really interested in seeing it. And
0: I waited so. and watched it on my
1: iPhone. Yeah, well, that's fine. Oh, how appropriate. <laughs> All right, I'm going to do a quick one here. Sneak a little. This is basically, you would almost say this is a little film, although it has all these stars in it. But it has a feel of a little film, but it's, a, it's an interesting film. And it's the movie, another more recent one, 2015. This stars Jennifer Lawrence, Robert De Niro, Bradley Cooper, Isabella Rossellini, D- Diane Ladd, Elizabeth Rome, and Virginia Madsen. Stellar cast. The movie's Joy. And it's a true story about an Ohio housewife who creates a mop. And even though she... this is a, The reason I like this movie, it's it's somebody with a dream. She's down and out. She's gone through a divorce, although her husband is a big supporter, but they just can't live together uh, because they do have children. But the, he's one of her big supporters, and she has this idea with this mop, the self-ringing mop. You keep your hand, and you can take it off, and you can wash it. It has all these things that make sense for the housewife, and yet... She, She's told it'll never work. She's told by her father. She's told by her her stepsister. Da, 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 da So, against all odds, and a couple with the influence of a couple friends, and she has some connections. Her father even gives her some some assistance. She goes on the QVC show, where Bradley Cooper is the guy that runs right. coordinates that network, and in at first, goes, it doesn't work. Well, first, it doesn't work because she's not being herself. They got some guy that was going to sell it. Right. Like, he would know how to mop a floor or know what baby, what children cause problems they cause. He was their top seller, but he had no one. So she gets on, does it herself. The thing goes off the charts. But then she's back and forth with the issue with suppliers, and she's still getting doubts from her father and her stepsister, Wants a piece of the action because she's feeling she's getting. So you have all these family dynamics. Her grandmother is a big influence, but her grandmother dies during the film. And that is uh, Diane Ladd. The thing is, it's a terrific story about the individual who takes an idea and against all odds succeeds. And then has to battle with the very people who see this, the corporate entities of the world who kind right. of take the dream away? In fact, there's a there's an early tell in the story, and I won't tell the whole thing. But Bradley Cooper says when they signed the contract, he said, "Friends, something like now and even when things happen later."
0: <laughs> <laughs> so
1: it's an interesting story. Not the other thing, and you and I have talked about this. Jennifer Lawrence. I mean, the, the cast is excellent. Everybody does a great job, but Jennifer Lawrence. She's kind of becoming that. We've seen her as a spy. We've seen her in America. I've seen her in American Hustles. She, you've seen her in the X Men series. She's been in uh, the uh, Hunger, Hunger Games. Games. Yeah. She's played all kinds of roles, and she is so believable. And she is terrific in this because she's like an average person. She's cute. Then she can be down and out. She can be. She can glamour up. The movie's joy, took in a hundred and one. And it was directed by David O. Russell. And if I'm not incorrect, he had directed American Hustle, which is the reason he brought these same people back in. A lot of these people were in that movie.
0: Yeah, she's been in a couple of movies with... Yeah. Uh,
1: De Niro. No, the
0: other Bradley one. Cooper. Bradley Cooper, yeah. Yeah,
1: the other one is the... Also, De Niro was in that one, wasn't the playwright? Uh, the playbook. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he where he, he had the... product
0: that the Philly. she made Yep, was the Miracle Mop. Miracle Mop. That was what it was called, yeah. so... That's pretty, pretty cool. And yeah, she had to, it looked exhausting. She had to fight all odds because even the, she had a problem with one of the manufacturers stealing the idea. That was one of the big problems, too. Oh, yeah. Too. So, yeah.
1: Well, she was nominated for Best Actress in a Leading Role for this, too. Oh. So, it's not a throwaway movie, but it has a feel of a small movie right. that works. That's what it's not overblown, but it's a good story.
0: Okay, I'm going to go to my last movie here. I'll try to go through it pretty quickly. It is one of my favorites. Secret of My Success, 1987. Directed by Herbert Ross. Stars Michael J. Fox as Brantley Foster and Carlton Whitfield. Helen Slater as Christy Wells. Richard Jordan, who was in Hunt for the Red October that we talked about Mm -hmm. last week. Uh, He plays Howard Prescott. He's the uncle of Brantley. And then Margaret Witten is Vera Prescott. She is the um, the wife of Brantley's uncle. And it's basically you've got this talented man who has this drive, and he can't get an executive position without rising through the ranks. So he starts in the basement in the mailroom, and he comes up with some shortcuts along the way. Also finds some love. You know, all that kind of stuff has to be swinkled in there, but it's it, it's pretty funny because he's got to start start in the basement, in the mail room. That's where his uncle wants him to stay, and <laughs> uh, he wants to be this. He's got all these ideas. You know, he right. wants to be a business. And some guy gets canned, and his office is empty. So using his position as the mail guy, you know, he go he goes to the place where they make the, the the name for the door. He goes, hey, I got this hot one. This guy is. This big shot up in section blah blah blah. He wants, in it. that's where he comes up with the name of Carlton. Carlton Whitfield is his, you know. So now, most of the executives see him, especially Helen Slater's character. You know, they put a little bit of romance there. But any time that his uncle's involved with it, he's got a he disappears, <laughs> and it's it's this just back and forth, and it's it's pretty cool. Then you have this mixture with the uh, the aunt. Uh, he's his uncle asks him to drive her home she is not getting very much attention at home let's say yeah and she kind of pushes it onto Brantley the her nephew that she doesn't know is her nephew and he doesn't know she's the aunt <laughs> uh, <laughs> until the uncle comes home yeah it's got that little edge in it but uh, overall it's it's pretty cool it's got a lot of business in it I mean it's but it's a comedy at the same yeah. time but I, I liked it. And that the ending is, is pretty cool. That's my favorite part is the ending.
1: Well, I like, I like, and again, Michael Fox, this was back when he was really, you know, obviously he wasn't affected by his disease at that time. And as I told you the other day, I took a quick look at Teen Wolf, which is, yeah, his, there <laughs> you know, there. You know. but, you know, uh, it was on and I, I said, oh, I got to watch this part. But Michael, and, and you go back to the, back to the future series. I mean, he was cool. I mean, Michael is, is an interesting kid when he's, and I say kid because he is youngish looking, but he's he sells it in that. It's been a while since I've seen that film, but I like that, yeah. that movie myself.
0: So I got a couple of trivia. Yeah. Um, Christy Mac- McNichol, hmm? she was a hot thing back at that time, right? Uh, she was originally cho- chosen for the lead actress, but she was fired about two weeks before filming because of fears she might be difficult to work with due to her bipolar disorder. Oh. Michael J. Fox and Helen Slater's their kissing scenes. Mm-hmm. They had they had to have height adjusters because oh, Michael <laughs> was so short. <laughs> and then this one blew me away. It's the original script was about a young man working for his uncle and falling in love with his uncle's prostitute. <laughs> oh, jeez. Universal executives called in the writers and said, Okay, you got eight weeks, rewrite this thing. So they changed uh Christy Mills from being a prostitute to another type of person mm-hmm. and added Aunt Vera to the mix to kind of, yeah. yeah, it's a different movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
1: he's, he juggles a lot of stuff in that movie, as I recall. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely.
0: <laughs> so on the financial front,
1: yeah.
0: uh, budget is $12 million, and it grossed $111 million. Yeah, that crazy. He,
1: pretty his good. movies usually drew an audience. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah,
0: yeah, So that's my last
1: one. Well, let's see if you know what this might be here. I'm going to give you a little dialogue here.
0: Uh, Hey, that's my thing.
1: Yeah, I know. I'm just going to steal a little bit of your thunder. The point is, ladies and gentlemen, that greed, for lack of a better word, is good. Greed is right. Greed works. Greed clarifies, cuts through, and captures the essence of the evolutionary spirit. Greed in all of its forms, greed for life, for money, for love, knowledge, has marked the upward surge of mankind. Do you know who might have said that? Uh,
0: the president in American Pres... Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds similar to that. It's, I saw the well, preview on the, that. <laughs> but it's the same actor. Uh,
1: I would say Wall Street. It's Wall Street. It's Gordon Gecko. Yes, yeah, the sleazy yet successful stockbroker in Wall Street, Oliver Stone, 1987. And we bring this up because I I use the when we talked about something like the executive suite, which deals with uh, the what you would say a kind of a normal business situation. And you've talked about secrets of success, board meetings and so on. And then you get to the big short which talks about as I say, many people, more people, were invested in them. A lot of people are more invested, or at least aware of what the market does. Pay attention to the market, and then what happened with the the failure from the crash of two thousand eight, if I can say that, and the various nineteen ninety two with the dot com, so on and so forth. That Wall Street really set the set the tone for the things that came behind, and because of the again, we have to. Use, I use the term here iconic because Gordon Gecko has been associated, anybody that sees anything that's kind of sleazy about anybody, when they talk about a Wall Street insider or somebody of that nature, they all visualize Michael Douglas for good reason. He won the Academy Award for this, best actor. And it's Oliver Stone who understood the market. His father was in the stockbroker business. And of course, Charlie Sheen is the ambitious guy that he takes under his wing and is willing to basically do anything to get on the right side, right side of of Gordon Gecko, and that it means giving him insider information, and of course, there's this father-son clash because Sheen's real father, Martin Sheen, is a mechanic for an airline, which becomes a contentious issue during this this whole thing. But there's many, basically, the Wall Street people. Uh, if you visualize Gecko. It doesn't put Wall Street in a good light. It is still a terrific movie. It holds up. Unfortunately, if, if you haven't seen it, there was a movie that followed a few years later. In fact, this came out in 1987. And Wall Street, the sequel, which was Money Never Sleeps, came out in 2010. And it begins when Michael Douglas, who had spent some time in jail for what he did in the first movie, <laughs> yeah. Now, now we don't have we do not have Charlie Sheen, but we've got Shia LaBeouf or LaBeouf, however you pronounce it. Yep. Uh, Jake, who's dating Michael Douglas, father. But Gordon whoa, whoa, whoa. Gecko. Oh, who's dating Michael Douglas, father? I mean, daughter. Sorry. Sorry. Repair his broken relation. He's trying to break, you know, get his relationship back with his daughter a uh, Jake that's uh, Shia is dating her, and he looks to go. He wants to view him as a father figure, but he learns the hard way that Gecko is still a master manipulator who will stop at nothing to achieve his goals. You want to watch him back to back if you have the opportunity. If you haven't seen Wall Street, you got to watch it, and if you watch Wall Street, you ought to watch the second one only because I don't think the second one eh, they they kind of had to finish the story, but Douglas is still good. He is is consummate. There are a couple things here I will throw out here. A couple more quotes. I don't like losses, sport. This is from Wall Street. Nothing ruins my day more than losses. (laughs) First lesson in business is don't get emotional about stock. Clouds your judgment. And I don't throw darts at a board. I bet on sure things. Read Sun Tzu, The Art of War. Every war is won before the war is ever fought. Cool. Anyway, there you go. Wall Street and the sequel. Wall Street never sleeps. By the way, Wall Street uh, did get the Academy Award for Michael Douglas. As I said, I don't have the, the the domestic box office under forty-four million the first time. The second one, let's see, took in one hundred and thirty-five million. Of course, we thirty years later, basically.
0: Well, so. well, plus probably. You know, if you didn't go see Wall Street at the theater, mm-hmm. but you've rented it and watched oh, yeah. it over the years, and then you're like, oh, here comes the, you know, that type of thing.
1: The thing is, it still holds up. What I like now, a lot of things have changed. You know, that, that obviously, there's much more technology that's, that they have at their fingertips, and the market moves so quickly as we know the money. Money, money never sleeps. I mean, it, we've got world 24-7 trading around the world. I mean, these markets close, those markets are open, and everybody's monitoring what's going on. And the political ramifications that happen in the world or words from world leaders, whether it's the president of the United States, whether it's somebody from France or somebody in China, NBA, what's going on with Nike and the NBA, these kind of things shake up the the market. So people are more attuned to these kind of films. And I think they're more interested in going to see anything based around business now than they were Let's say back in the 50s, I'd say things were pretty settled back in the 50s and even into the 60s before Vietnam. I mean, people, things were rolling along.
0: And then you've got, uh, you know, name brand actors or mainstream actors in the movies and, you know.
1: Oh, there's a, as you said, there are a list of these films and a lot of them are built around either stock people or business people at the high end executives doing right. various things. And then you get in technology. There's yeah, some where the hackers stuff. and so on. That. Anyway, that's what I got. Uh, I had another one I was going to throw in, but we're, we're moving on. How, what's a clock on a wall telling us, Eddie?
0: Well, Johnny, it looks like it's that time again.
1: Yeah, that's what I thought.
0: But before I turn it over to you, as always, thank you for listening and subscribing to our show. If you like our show, please leave a review through whatever platform you're using to listen to the show. We'd appreciate it. You don't want to miss next week's Halloween show. Tell your friends, family, neighbor, co-worker, dentist, doctor, the garbage man, the paper boy. What? Actually, they're really not paper boys anymore, right? There's just some middle-aged guy who's throwing it out of his car. <laughs> Whoever it is, tell them too. <laughs> I'm sure there are more. Just tell everyone. Anyone can listen for free on Apple Podcasts or iHeartRadio. New episodes will drop every Monday. We have three shows left in season one of We're Talking Movies. We hope you've enjoyed them all. We would love it if you would leave a comment to let us know what you think of season one. We will read your comments on the air, on the podcast, over the next three shows. And really, anytime you leave a message, I mean, we're, we, we love seeing messages, positive or negative. Yep. Don't worry, we won't get our, our feelings hurt. And we'll read it on the show next uh, the next episode. So, You can send your comments through our website, DM us on Instagram, or tweet us at We Talkin Movies. Also find us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Movies. We would love it if you would like our page. Although Season 1 will be coming to an end in three weeks, don't you worry. Season 2 will be premiering on the first Monday in December, Next week, we'll announce season two's theme and how you can be a part of it.
1: That's it for me. See, back in the old days, see, you got all these different ways of reaching us. In the old days, we said, keep those cards and letters coming. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It <laughs> doesn't work as much as it does. <laughs> Do we still happen. would appreciate if somebody wants it, but we haven't given them a post office box or anything. Yeah. So <laughs> they're going to have to email it <laughs> or go on the web, go on our, our site. Anyway. Looks like that's all for today, folks. Until next time, keep your eyes on the silver screen. And as we fade to black, this is Johnny Popcorn and Eddie Klieg saying so long till we're talking again. That's a wrap, ladies and gentlemen. Please clear the set.